Hello, everyone, and welcome to C-View Quantum Network. I'm your presenter, Daniel, and I'm here with producer Claudia Pareco. Our opening song features Sunset Serenade by Cyclone. Albums and singles are available in all music stores and platforms. A Moment of Your Time is one of the most extraordinary gifts we could ever be given. Each week, we create a place for you to rest your heart by providing the platform for peaceable connection to the most gifted lightworkers, intuitives, alternative healers who will surprise you with something different, something outside of what's expected, innovative and unique. Our shows are held on Fridays at 12 p.m. Eastern U.S. time and 9 a.m. Pacific time. At any moment to participate on our shows, please call 805-830-8344 and press 1 to talk with the host. Take My Call. At any moment before or during the show, you can opt for Take My Call and jump the long line of callers. We are now following the pay-what-you-can business model. You pay what you feel our services are worth to you. You can send a payment using paypal.me slash p-u-r-e-c-o and add the amount that you want. To request a show, please write to Claudia Pareco at cview1111 at gmail.com or visit our website cview1111.net Now, close your eyes and get in touch with the present, the only reality. Feel your body, feel your breath, and let it drift back to the present moment. Danny and welcome everybody to see you 2022. Today we have messages from Metatron, the study group, with the topic happiness and original soul. CBU is very proud to present messages from Metatron. This is a podcast study group with author Debbie Nina Lincoln. We meet on the third Friday at 12 noon Easter time here on CBU, and I hope you will join us every other month on 2023. Now, let's introduce the author of Messages from Metatron, Debbie Nina Dinkham, but we call her Nina. She's an author, a life coach, and a clinical hypnotherapist, and a sound therapist. Welcome to the show, Nina. I am so happy to have you here. Claudia, and welcome to the study group, everybody. I am excited to be here. Um, before the show, we had a little problems with our electrical. Uh, anything electric, usually when it goes haywire like this, I know that we have some spiritual advisors around. So today, it seems like the energy is disrupting our electronics. So if you get disconnected by the system, please call back. So today we're studying two messages for the book, Messages from Metatron, which is a book I channeled. And today's messages are happiness and the original souls. So I'd like to address the topic uh, of happiness first, uh, because we all want to be happy. Everybody wants to be happy. Even the most depressed person desires happiness. 
But how do we get more of it? Not only happiness, but we long for joy, which is supreme happiness, the height of happiness. So with the whole world wanting it, why are there so many unhappy and negative people? Answer these questions. We're going to turn to spiritual teachers for the answer. Because of all people, I was thinking that the wise spiritual leaders of humanity seem to have a grasp on how to be happier. And I've studied with a few gurus or spiritual teachers from the Hindu tradition. And I'd like to share one of my gurus' explanation of how to be a happier person, how to find happiness. And his name was Guru Dev, and he's no longer in his body, but um, was very well-respected guru uh, whose ashram was or is in Hawaii. And he said this about happiness, quote, we often don't get what we want because people will let us down. The self within will never let us down. The timeless self is hard for the mind to conceive that all pervasive self coming from God, which pervades the entire universe. Your inner light brings thoughts to your awareness, and that's what we have to depend upon, not people, Guru Deva. So he's saying that happiness doesn't come from other people, and it doesn't come from our own mind. He says it comes from this peace of God called the self or the soul. And here's another respected Hindu guru uh, that I've studied by the name of Sri Anandamai Ma. Uh, people just called her Ma. A female guru. Uh, Hindus have female gurus. Uh, who was called the blissful mother. That's what they called her. Bliss. That's another word for joy, isn't it? So here's what the blissful mother said. Quote, joys and sorrows are time-born and cannot last. So she's saying that both happiness and sadness come and go, depending upon our circumstances. And she says, quote, therefore, do not be perturbed by these. The greater the difficulties and obstacles, the more intense will be your endeavor to cling to God's feet, and the more will be excuse me, the more will your prayers increase from within. And where the time is right, when the time is right, you will gain mastery over this. That's Ananda Ma is saying that we should not allow the fluctuations of our emotions to steal our peace. And she promises that if we will cling to God's feet and pray, eventually we'll gain mastery over our emotions. So now I'd like to step it up and see what the greatest spiritual teacher said about happiness. In order to show teachers are going to point out humanity's greatest unhappiness. And can you guess what that is, Claudia? What what is humanity's greatest unhappiness? Mm, I would say money. You would say what? Money. 
money. Not having, not <laughs> having. Yeah, it can cause uh, it can cause heartache, can it? It can also cause joy, though, right? Money can be used for a lot of good things. So that's a good guess. That's a good guess. And you know, you've heard that old saying: the root of evil is um, is money, right? I've heard that said. But let's begin with a well-known story in the Bible where Christ where Christ goes right to the heart of happiness. He's on a ship with his disciples, and they're all crossing a lake. And you might know the story. Uh, Jesus is taking a nap as they're sailing, and the storm arises, and it gets so bad, it's threatening to capsize the boat. And his disciples wake him up because he's sleeping through all of this. Now, that is some seriously deep sleep. If a boat is tossing on the sea so furiously that it's going to capsize the boat. And they have to shake him awake, it says, because he's in another world. So they say, Master, this storm is going to kill us if you don't do something. In fact, Matthew's gospel specifies that, quote, the boat was being swamped by the waves. So that sounds like it's sinking to me. And Jesus says, here's his response, what are you scared of? What are you scared of? Do you have no faith? And this question, like many of the things that Christ said, it's, it's an allegory. It's an allegory. So let's understand it. Was he sleeping or was he awake and meditating? It looked to the disciples like he was sleeping. But if your boat is sinking, how could you sleep through that? Right? The noise alone would wake you. And meditation masters have studied and research has shown, found that their brains during deep states of altered consciousness are in the alpha brainwave, which is what we call uh, a trance. It's the same slower brainwave as the hypnosis brainwave. So the Eastern religions believe that Christ studied meditation in the East during Christ's, quote, missing years. So if he was a meditation master, and let's assume he was, perhaps he wasn't sleeping as the boat was sinking. Perhaps he was in deep meditation. So let's suppose he was meditating. And the storm is raging above him. The water is pouring into his little cabin, and he's hearing the men above him shouting on the deck. The question is, why would he not get up to help his disciples when they're all about to lose their lives? He cared for these men. He became their teacher and their Lord, and he took care of them. So why would he ignore the obvious peril that they were in? To answer this question, we're going to look at another Christ figure that came before Christ. His name was Lord Krishna of the Hindu religion. But, but let's jump back to Christ and see how he responds here. And he says to his disciples who are panicking, don't you have faith in me by now? So because these same guys, have seen him work miracles with their own eyes. 
And he says, are you really going to let death scare you when I am with you? Because we know from Matthew's account that they were afraid of dying. So this was a teaching moment for his disciples. This was a teaching moment. And Christ is saying, look, I'm the master of death just as I'm the master of life. So why are you afraid of dying? And Claudia, this is the answer to the question I asked. Is the most fearful thing for human beings, right? And so I'm going to, um, I'm going to turn this to happiness soon, so hang in there. Uh, but mm-hmm. let's look at another scene from an avatar's life, uh, that of India's Lord Krishna. And Lord Krishna walked the earth thousands of years before Christ's birth. And there's a famous Hindu scripture, it's ancient, called, maybe you've heard of it, the Bhagavad Gita, or the Gita. Uh, It's a story of the life of Lord Krishna, who in many ways is comparable to Christ. And the Gita tells the story of a great battle fought, the charioteer, to his friend in this battle, or what we would call his disciple. Okay, and his name, uh, Krishna's friend, was named Arjun. And Arjun is an important leader, having to lead his army into battle against an evil ruler that's trying to take over the land. And Arjun appeals to Krishna for help, much as the disciples appealed to Christ for help during the storm. And I want you to keep the similarities in mind between the two stories. Arjun says, Krishna, I don't want to fight and kill all these people that I know. Um, This is unnecessary bloodshed. And so he appeals to Krishna because not only does he not want to die by the sword, but he doesn't want to take others' lives. And Arjun is facing this horrible, fierce battle ahead, and he's trying to find a way to avert the catastrophe of all these lives lost. And interesting here how Krishna responds. You would think that maybe he would comfort Arjun, but he doesn't. He says, again, I'm paraphrasing, if you allow evil to triumph, it will ruin the morality of this country and ruin the families and create a population explosion because of all the promiscuity that will go on. You must do your duty and fight. And if you run away from the battle, your name will be forever remembered as a coward. And how could you live with that? No, Arjun, you must stand and fight. To which Arjun replies, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) You can't make me. (laughs) Again, I'm paraphrasing. And then Krishna speaks to Arjun's main fear, which is, again, death. Same fear that Christ called out in his disciples. And what Krishna says next is so clear and strong, he addresses that same fear of death that Christ called out. And he says, quote, the soul can never be cut into pieces by any weapon, nor can it be burned by fire, nor moistened by water, nor withered by the wind. Death is a journey. 
where a person changes from one body to another body, like we change clothes. So do not be fearful of death because the soul that resides within will always be the same, untouched. And Krishna explains that for the soul, there's neither birth nor death, and that we grieve for loved ones who have died, but they're really not deserving of our sorrow because they're living. And Krishna is saying, wars are inevitable, so you might as well defend the good against the bad. And even killing isn't really killing, he says, because that person's soul will go on in the succession of births and deaths. Okay. So what has this got to do with our happiness? A lot, come to find out. So both Christ and Lord Krishna teach that death is not to be feared. Christ says, don't fear death because I am with you in life. You can trust me and to take care of your problems, the storms that you're faced with. And Krishna is saying, don't be afraid to die or don't be afraid to go to war if you have to or even to take a life because you cannot die. Only the body dies. And you'll discard the body at death and continue on in this journey of the soul. So if both of these teachers and saviors of mankind have instructed us not to fear life and not to fear death, then why do we spend our lives fighting anxiety, depression, low self-esteem, discontentment, frustration? These are the opposite of happiness, aren't they? Yet we find ourselves battling these negative emotions as if a battle were raging inside of us. And these master teachers are saying, there's nothing to fear but fear itself because we're always with you. And in death, you will be liberated and get a new body. So what are you stressing about? That's what they're saying. This is why I adore Lord Krishna and Christ because they are reminding us that bad things happen on earth and always will. There will always be circumstances in our lives that can cause us to worry, be depressed, be fearful, be angry, be jealous. That's part of life, part of life. Even the worst thing can happen to us, war, and taking other people's lives in the line of duty. And Krishna picks a battlefield to instruct Arjun about life, a battlefield. He could have picked any circumstance, but he chooses the most terrifying, gory, traumatizing, and violent of circumstances to illustrate how happiness is achieved. And Christ picked a storm, and it will always be a storm and a battle. But it is your response to fear, which makes hell a heaven. And Lord Krishna says to Arjuna, don't ask to be relieved of your duties. No, you have to fight this war. And this is your war to fight. And if you run away from what you know needs to be done, who is going to do it, he says. 
And Krishna says, yes, it's going to be terrible and traumatic, violent. Christ says, yes, it's going to be turbulent, life-threatening, and you're going to feel that the storm is so much bigger than you are. And when it all assails you, do not turn back. Keep going. This is Christ's message about life. This is Krishna's message about life. You were put here to fight this battle. You were put here to weather the storms. And so my definition, Claudia, of what happiness is, is not getting everything we want, although that's what we wish it was. My definition of happiness, true happiness, a realization that we are all souls and not bodies, and that happiness is a result of a lack of fear, a lack of worry, lack of anxiety. And if you don't have fear, you have what? What's the opposite of fear? I'll ask you, Claudia, again. What's the opposite of fear? Um, happiness? Peace. Peace. Okay, ding, 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 you got it. It's me. That's what I could do. <laughs> Claudia gets the prize today. So Thank you. Is to be content, isn't it? When, mm-hmm. when we're at peace, we're content. And we feel safe, don't we? This is the kind of happiness that the avatars want us to have. Christ said that. He said in John, he said, quote, my peace I give to you. Not the same peace that the world gives is my peace. So he said, my happiness is peace. That's different from what the world calls happiness, isn't it? Mm -hmm. To the world, happiness is is a party, right? Is a good time. Or perhaps it's materialism. So if we want peace, which is contentment and deep joy that comes from a soul at rest, then we have to go where that peace comes from. Not to the world, but Krishna said it. He said the soul is the only thing in us that is unafraid. So, Claudia, my question to you is, where can we find the kind of peace that these teachers are talking about? Can we find it in things? The world offer that kind of peace and contentment to us? Where have you found deep peace? Inside, inside of me, my own way. Mm -hmm. So tell me more about that. That's interesting to me. Well, uh, you know, it's pretty much when you go to the moment, to your present moment, to my present moment, and I go within myself and in there with my thoughts, and wherever, however, I find the answers to my to my questions, and that that is my piece. However, is it that I my formula of life that I have? That's where I find my piece. And so, when you say when you say go within, what are, what are you saying actually? What does it mean for someone who doesn't know what you're talking about? Um, what does it mean to go inside? To me, it means quiet, 
practice quiet uh, myself to get out to to stop focusing out and going within and it starts by probably by feeling your body your your breath your thoughts and then just going in a journey but it and every time is different it's like I, there is no one path within myself it goes different ways but it's just allowing that time with myself my thoughts my my world okay and when you say yourself what are you, what do you say <laughs> what is what is the self what is myself yeah what is um, the self you said you're going to go to be with yourself what is the self well I would say that's when we're talking about the soul, my soul, my that which moves me, that which is greater than my body and everything that is. But it's, I just don't know a good definition of how I would describe myself, but it is, it's, it's enormous, it's more than my thoughts, it's more than any word can describe. Mm-hmm. And yet it's very familiar. I know it. I find it very comforting. And and it's very weird when you when when I feel of myself because it seems like it's separate from the person, but it's the same at the same time. It conforms everything. Okay, so it sounds to me like what you're saying is that you've come to realize that Claudia is more than the body, that Claudia is more than the brain, okay, that there's something else going on here um, that (laughs) is the true you. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yes, and and it's something that words cannot describe. I don't don't have the words to describe it. Yes. Yes, so a point to be made here is that we are never going to find lasting happiness um, outside of ourselves. I mean, that's what I hear you saying. And and I know that's not what listeners probably wanted to hear, but the <laughs> truth is often not what we wanted to hear, right? So temporary things and, and even people can't buy lasting happiness, kind of um, peace. Uh, comes from within, and pleasure is fleeting, right? That's what well, that's what Ma was saying. She said it comes and goes, right? We're happy mm-hmm. one minute, we're sad the next, and so um, we can't put our faith in that, right? Because because if we do, we're just going to be disappointed because it's going to go away from us. And about having stuff, it's fun to have stuff, but the more stuff we have the more stuff we want. Have you ever noticed that? Right? To keep us happy. Caught in a cycle of materiality. Um, and so that can't bring us lasting happiness. So it seems to me that what Metatron is saying about happiness in this book, and I've illustrated it through what the avatars have said about happiness, is that happiness is not pleasure. Happiness does not equal pleasure, although that's what we think, and that's what we're that's what we're told by society. But because they want to sell us things, 
right? But but that pleasure is fleeting. What real happiness is is peace. Is peace. And so in messages from Metatron, a very wise archangel reminds us to be happier. We must work on things inside of us, okay, on being a better person. And what that means, he actually outlined what that means. He said uh, we must work on being more tolerant of other people. And he says we must try and let go of this need to always be right that we have. We mustn't try to prove our superiority over others. And that we must let go of the need for revenge taking. Because these things can absorb us. They can steal our happiness and flood us with anger and spite. So the first thing he points out to be a happier person is that we have to work on letting go of proving ourselves and let go of those strong negative emotions like hatred and anger. And he says, quote, practice letting go. Practice it. Practice letting go of having to be right by letting someone else be right on occasion. Okay, so he's, he's challenging us there. And then he goes on to say, in order to have happiness and healthier relationships, we must work on being better listeners and try not to tell other people that their feelings are wrong. I know this as a therapist. I told this to many people. Your feelings are neither right nor wrong. Feelings just are. We can't control the feelings that we have. So they're not wrong. They just are. So try not to judge other people's feelings. Just be a good listener, a better listener. And then he goes on to discuss something that I, I would call false beliefs. I want to just touch on this for a minute. So being a counselor, this is a a subject that came up a lot in sessions. False beliefs are conscious and unconscious beliefs that you have about yourself and the world. And he says, quote, as false beliefs pile up, you'll feel the weight of them and feel sluggish, unmotivated, even depressed. I say false beliefs because those negative beliefs are not the truth about you, are they? You have convinced yourself that you are not good enough or not capable of a healthy relationship. And all these false ideas and mistakes of the mind are of the past. So be quick to put away outdated, condemning thoughts about yourself. And feel your emotions and then release them, he says. So he's saying it's not bad to have negative emotions. We all have them. But when they've taken over. That's time to switch gears. And so I'd like to add one more ingredient for increasing our happiness. And it comes from uh, psychological studies that say that people who are what's called congruent, have you heard that word? People are who are congruent are happier people. In fact, much happier. So Congruency means that what you same as what you do. 
there's a term every psychology student knows called cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance. And it means what you think you are doesn't match up with your actions. And I bring this up because you cannot experience peace if you are cognitively dissonant. And when our beliefs don't line up with our actions, we are cognitively dissonant. We are out of tune. Dissonance is is being out of tune with ourselves, tuned with our values, uh, out of integrity. And we are then living in pretense, a pretentious state, which is game play, which is a very dysfunctional way to live. It's a very low level of living. So it's helpful when you are experiencing unhappiness to ask yourself, am I congruent in my life? Do my beliefs and my values align with my behavior and choices? And we, when we're congruent, we will experience peace. We've all experienced this. I mean, We've all had the experience of being out of alignment with our values. Um, it happens a lot. I'll give you an example from my life. So there was a uh, circumstance recently, a time recently, when I was feeling uneasy about uh, dating someone that I had just started dating because I, I didn't want to hurt this person, but I didn't feel that it was a, it was a correct match. And so I continued to ignore those warning signs, right? They call them the red flags that I was seeing. But I got to a point where I was so unhappy that I couldn't ignore the problems anymore. And that dissonance inside of me, being a relationship going when you know it's not the right thing for you, it causes feelings of worry, discomfort, feeling trapped, because how I was acting was not what I was feeling on the inside. And so once I told the person that I couldn't date them, I felt instantly relieved of that inner turmoil, that inner friction. So, Claudia, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but do you want to discuss the phenomenon of people being incongruent or maybe a time in your life that you were uh, experiencing incongruity um, and then a resulting lack of peace due to, you know, saying one thing but doing another. Yeah, I, there are so many um, that I can think. Let me think of one specific thing. Usually, I, I would agree with you, usually it would be related with some something or some someone else where... Mm-hmm. In your parameters, for example, in my parameters, there is, there is a way to behave between a, a couple that for me, that means they, there's a, respect, a respectful relationship. So we had this friend, this couple friends, where those parameters were out of hack for the couple, in my opinion, because that's, that's very personal, right? So this is, in my opinion, someone that loves another do not do certain things or certain actions. You do not 
help talk to that person in such a way. And I just, even I love her a lot. So we would gather with this couple because I really like her. So all of these things that he would do to her, I would try to ignore and I would look the other way until one day I had this conversation with her and I said, listen, I just can't do it anymore. To me, it's very uncomfortable to be present in this situation where this is constantly happening because to me, it's not okay. And I love the friendship. But on the other hand, I really, like, I was tormented with her, but at that point, it was such a relief even to lose that friend because it was it was against my belief in that moment. Mm-hmm. That's a great so example. It was a tough choice. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure because we don't want to hurt people and we we don't want to step over the line in friendships. But it sounds like it was it was costing you your peace in that moment. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it was it was something that it was just put on, under the under the carpet for months and months and months and months until it the carpet was not big enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so, and so you felt at peace. How did your, I'm just curious, how did your friend respond um, to that? She moved on. She, it was her, her husband. So at that point, it was, she needed to choose between the husband and, or I, and the husband won. And I, I, had uh-huh. to, I had to understand her choices as well. It was like, yeah, I understand. So I yeah. just can't keep on doing this anymore. Right. But you did what you needed to do to be at peace, it sounds like. Yes. At that moment, it was it was hard. It was painful because it had nothing to do with her and I, but I just couldn't take mm-hmm. it anymore. It was really robbing right. my peace. Right. You were in that cognitive dissonance space that we talked about. Mm-hmm. Right. But you regained your peace because you, you, know, you spoke up. And you said what you needed to say. Okay, so that's one thing that can rob us of our peace, for sure. Um, now I'm going to switch gears here, and with the time we have left, discuss our next topic, which is from the book, and the message is entitled Original Soul. Original Soul. So Benetron's first sentence in this message is, quote, the most important thing is to be true to yourself. Well, we were just talking about that. Right. We were just talking about being true to yourself because you were telling mm-hmm. a story about being true to yourself, weren't you? Okay. So then he says, what other people want of you is only their misunderstanding. Wow. So he begins this message by doing a cannonball into the pool. He's making some waves here. And what is he really saying? He seems to be saying that we've got to be true to ourselves. We've got to be true to our dreams and our desires. And they don't, that people may not understand you when you do that. Just like your friend, Claudia, didn't understand. But you were true to yourself. 
And he further clarifies this by saying, quote, originality is not rebellion. Originality is not rebellion. It is a determination to speak your truth. And he makes another splash in the pool with this one. Quote, get comfortable with the person you are, not the person others want you to be. And he's calling us out of the shadows and into the light of our own soul. We've all felt like we didn't fit in from time to time, haven't we? But he's saying that there are souls who he calls original souls, who will never fit in. Never. They're not supposed to fit in. Like I heard it said one time, girl, fly your freak flag high. So (laughs) if you've been misunderstood most of your life, it might not be by accident. It might not be your fault. It might just be that you are here to stand out. And he says to be outstanding. I like the way he used that word. Standing apart from the crowd. These are the original souls Metatron is describing in this message. And he's giving permission to be different, to stand out, to be approval is unavoidable. If you're going to be an original, expect to be misunderstood to some degree, even for the whole of your life. And Claudia, I don't know about you, but when I read this message about being different and that some souls are designed to shine a little brighter, it was very freeing for me. It was freeing to know the loners, the artists, the quirky dorks, the woo-woo spiritual people of the world are not a mistake, right? They're supposed to be the way that they are. They're supposed to be on this planet and that there's a place for all of us and that the oddballs are needed. They're necessary. They're needed to shake things up. So what did you feel when you read this message about about being different, Claudia? Yeah, no, it's spot on. It's like, well, anyone listening to this today and tomorrow and in in this area of spirituality, it's right there. Like, you know, I, I when I was reading this, because this is me also all my life, and I was reading this and I was wondering, okay, so I am an original soul because I always felt an outcast and different. Are there really people on this earth that they feel they're feeding and they are not original like they are just part of it like is there i wonder is there someone that would say oh i fit in everyone understands me i'm just one of many do you think there's someone like that that's a great question uh i'd like to answer that question and and i'll answer it from the perspective of being a, a psychotherapist of being a counselor because when i was counseling 
the, the number one statement that I heard from the thousands of people that came into my office with their problems was um, that very thing, is that I don't feel like I fit in. I don't feel like I fit in with my family. I don't fit in with my group of friends. I don't fit in sometimes with my partner doesn't understand me. I don't feel understood. Yeah. And some people would say, and I don't feel important, you know. Um, and so that's a thing that is a very, very common complaint among human beings. We do not feel understood. And that can make us feel sort of on the outside of things, you know, sort of strange and weird. So I, I don't know that I've ever talked to a person that could tell me that they felt that they were, you know, in the in-group. You know, yeah, and that they weren't, they weren't strange somehow. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if I ever met someone like that, like that they would just be completely in the inner in that circle, inner circle. I don't know. I'm always in out, so I don't know who is in there and what does it feel to be in. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know because I've never met them. You know, in all the thousands of people that I've uh, coached. So I, I don't know that there is a person on the planet who doesn't feel in some way like they're a bit of an oddball. But Metatron is saying, look, if that's how you feel, he's saying the oddballs are needed. We need you to be just as you are. We need you to shake things up. We need you to be different and to do things differently. And so for me, when I heard that message in this book, it really – I guess it just gave me permission, you know, to be the freak that I am. <laughs> yeah, but that's a great question. So Metatron then in, in this chapter goes on and gives us what he called laws of the original soul. And I'm going to review, yeah, I'm going to review these and touch on these really quickly, okay, because we don't have a lot of time. Um Here's his laws of the original soul. He says, first, the original soul must come to acceptance about being different. You must embrace your differentness. Two, the original soul must leave behind attachments that bind for attachments that illuminate and liberate. We're going to have to let go of people and places, this is me, in order to progress in our soul's journey. Okay, that's about letting go. Number three, the original soul often flies solo, right? You've heard it said that uh, leaders fly solo, right? Eagles fly solo. So solitude is important for the original soul. And not to follow the latest fad or, you know, not to follow the rich and famous, Um, basically, the original soul is not interested in surface and shallow attachments. They're not shallow people. They're deep people. And four, the original soul will depart from convention. So while they'll often isolate themselves, the original soul will also be on a mission to expand consciousness 
to expand consciousness. And that's exactly the mission that you're on. I mean, I don't want to say what your mission is, Claudia, but I know you, and I know that's part of your mission, to expand the consciousness of our planet. Uh, Number five, the original soul will push for progress. Quote, they always push for the next freedom and reach for the stars. They're always pushing boundaries. Metatron says, quote, to them, the paramount goal is freedom. And then he Mm -hmm. closes this message by saying, quote, if you are doing your part to usher in a new peaceful planet, you are advancing the divine agenda and are an original soul. Does that define you, Claudia? Well, I want to say yes to all of those. You know, it's, 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 but for every definition that I have heard so far in life, you get to, you, you know, I have not found someone that is a perfect match to all. Like you have things here, you have more here. So probably I would have some of those and I'm working on others. But yeah, I do. I, I, I love this chapter. I, you know what, what also, I love that it's talking about being unique and different and how special that is and, and that we, there is a part of, for uniqueness and out of this world that is important as well. That's right. Um, he's validating us, isn't he? He's validating mm-hmm. people who are different. And he's saying it's okay to be different. And he, actually, he's saying you were designed to be different. You were mm-hmm. designed that way before you got here. So your soul, if your soul is a little different, you know, I think the thing that happens is, I, and I'm just speaking from personal experience, is that <clears throat> when I don't fit in, when I feel like I'm standing out, <laughs> he says, no, you're not standing out. You're outstanding. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't see it that way. <laughs> and, you know, one thing about archangels and angels is that, they turn everything on its head. It's really interesting. They almost see things opposite of how humans see things. So we say, mm-hmm. no, no, no. If you are standing out from the group, that's telling me that you're outstanding, that you're an original soul, and that you're here for the very purpose of being different in the way that you're different. But I think what happens, at least to me, is that when I, when I realize I'm being different, it feels to me like I'm, it's wrong, right? Because if you're a fish and you're going, you know, upstream and all the other fish are going downstream, right, you're just, you just want to fit in. You don't want to be different like that. And then you find yourself, oh, my God, I'm a fish that goes upstream, not downstream. Mm-hmm. But, but all the other fish are going downstream. And so you try going downstream for a while, right? And what happens? You want to cognitively dissonant without peace, don't you? So I think the moral of the story is that we're not wrong for being who we are. That, you know, like the, the first um, law says, the original soul must come to acceptance about being different. You must embrace differentness. Yeah, and you know, and that that set us a perfect point 
for our next lesson in the, in January, where we are talking just more about being different and that we are not our bodies. So all of these is they are connected. So once you understand you are an origin, original soul, which is pretty much to be outstanding, is think about all of the outstanding positions that you are have been created to to be that to break all the all the rules and you know that box mentality that we have as humans as what is correct and what is incorrect so all of the outstanding people there are here for that reason to open ourselves to get bigger to have a bigger view of 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 humanity of our souls mm-hmm. that leads to self love to loving ourselves just as we are you know with our warts and everything if we're different and we don't fit in you know we're odd we're outstanding then he's saying love yourself because you were you were born this way that's what uh, lady gaga says right she says you're mm-hmm. born this way and that's what he's saying. He's saying your soul was made this way. So don't reject it. Don't try to be like everybody else. Be yourself and accept yourself for being different. And once I think you accept your differentness, you know, I'm gay. And once I accepted my differentness, I mean, it took a long time. It took a long time. It took a lot of wrestling for me mm-hmm. to come out. I was 33 before I came out. I mean, now kids are coming out, you know, in junior high. Amazing. Amazing to me. Um, because it's just such a different world today, you know, in that respect. And, it, and I'm just and so that, glad for them. In, in that question, in that matter, you yourself, you came out 33, you were 33. But the world today is very different from when you came out. I, I'm sure that even your self-concept about what gay means has changed tremendously from what you first thought to what it is today. Like, it's changing. I, I just can't even grasp to that, like, how much it has changed from us growing up to one, what it is today. It's a different concept. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And I'm so glad it's changed. Because oh, yeah. when I when I came out it was um it was a shameful thing. You know, I mean that's how society most I should say of society looked at it, that it that it should be um you know, a hidden, you know, that you should hide that kind of thing. so, you know, I'm fifty eight and so uh, you know, I came out before gay was even a word. I mean, back when <laughs> I was a kid, gay meant happy. You know, we're back to talking about happy. <laughs> That's what it meant. Yeah. Um, and I would challenge you to say, I think it still means happy. So, um, yeah, this is a totally different era, and, and I'm so glad that it is. And, in fact, since we're talking about uh, being gay, uh, I want to invite the listeners to join us um, on our next show because uh, we're going to be talking about um, uh, transgender people and same-sex people. We're going to talk thoroughly about that subject, and we're going to also talk, see what a archangel has to say about it. 
So I hope that you'll tune in. That's the third Friday in January at 12 o'clock noon Eastern Standard Time here on Seaview for our next study group topic uh, of transgenderism. And Nina, before we go, if people want to get your free ebook, how can they contact you? Yeah, I, I am offering a free ebook to the Seaview listeners only. So, um, a messages from Metatron, that's the text that we're studying. Um, so, if you'd like one, you can contact me um, two ways. Um, you can email me at createyourlife.nina, createyourlife.nina at gmail.com. Or um, if you want to take a look at other Archangel uh, books that I have, you can go to Amazon and look up Nina Bingham and you'll find them. Or you can go to my blog to see, um, you know, all of my books and, and, and uh, recorded um videos and, and audios. And that's at ninabingham.blogspot.com. So I guess until next time, I just want to say stay happy and stay <laughs> peaceful. And be different, I would add. Thank you, Nina Rose. Thank you, everybody, for being here. And we will um, welcome you next year, 2023, on January the 20th with Nina Bingham. Goodbye. Have happy holidays.